everyone, I'm Carla, and I'm Iman, and you're listening to Screensaver, a podcast about all things pop culture, including TV, movies, books, and sports. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the latest Disney Pixar animation film, Inside Out. It was directed by Pete Docter, who also directed Up and Monsters, Inc., and it's starring an all-star cast of voices, including... Amy Poehler, Mindy Kaling, Bill Hader, and Louis Black. I'm Joy. This is sadness. That's anger. This is disgust. And that's fear. We're Riley's emotions. These are Riley's memories. They're mostly happy, you'll notice, not to brag. I wanted to maybe hold one. What happened? Sadness. She did something to the memory. Is everything okay? I don't know. Take it back, Joy. Great. Joy, no. Let's Wait. Go. The core memories. Ah! No, 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 no. Ah! All right, guys. As usual, I'm going to start you off with a little plot talk. Inside Out is a movie set in the mind of a young girl, Riley. And it follows her five personified emotions, joy, anger, disgust, fear, and sadness, as she moves with her parents from Minnesota to San Francisco. It's one of those movies that I feel like the actual plot description doesn't do service to the creativity depicted within, so I think we should just jump right in. What was your experience watching this movie, Carla? I thought it was really fun to watch this movie, and it's interesting because going into this movie, like several of the other movies we've seen this summer, I had no idea what to expect. I don't remember seeing one trailer for it, and apart from knowing that it was a movie about a little girl's feelings, I knew very little else going in. So, going in, I was just sort of shocked by how engaging it was how fun it was to watch, and how it seemed like the entire audience was getting uh, engaged, really engaged with the movie. Yeah. I think Carla and I were lucky enough to be in an audience with a lot of kids while we were watching this, so hearing kids laughing, and I was crying. I'm sure plenty of other parents were as well, but yeah, I, I think it was a really fun movie. I totally agree. And I know there are some really specific things that, after we came out of the movie, we were talking about enjoying about it. The first of which being just the casting and the characters. Yeah, I felt like this this movie was really well cast, and they did a smart job of bringing a lot of voices in that we we recognized before and could easily sort of identify with in terms of the emotions that they were portraying. Amy Poehler plays the main character, Joy, and she was basically playing Leslie Nope, and she does a really good job at that. So that was really fun to watch. Louis Black played Anger, and I mean, I think anyone who's familiar with his work knows how good of a fit that was. What were some of the other ones? Phyllis Smith, who I think a lot of people might know from The Office as Phyllis, did a really great job with sadness. But I I wanted to ask, how did you feel about the actual character of Riley? We don't get to spend that much time outside of her, so to speak. But 
I really respected the fact that they chose to make Joy and Sadness and Riley. All of these are female leads, essentially. So how did you feel about that decision? Well, I feel like it was really smart of Pixar to go in this direction. We're just coming off of the huge wave that was the Frozen movie. Right. So to see another movie with two female leads, and I'm talking about Joy and Sadness... And also the the main character herself, Riley, was really refreshing to see. And I felt like they did a good job of also making Riley a full character. And she wasn't very stereotypically girlish. She was a bit of a tomboy. Yeah. Um, Her favorite sport is hockey and... It was that perfect balance between making her really relatable, kind of androgynous to a certain point because she had stereotypically male and female interests, but they also made her, I know bland is the wrong word for it, but they made her universal enough for really anyone to engage with her, which I thought was really great. I mean, this is a movie that literalizes her personality. We see core elements of her personality, and those are like friendship or family, so it was it was definitely a, a relatable relatable movie, and like we said, the, the casting for the characters that we end up spending more time with was so on point. I, I kind of suggested this in what I was just saying, but um, I know a second point that we were really into was just the pure creativity in creating and constructing the mental landscape, which was really the, the, the film's setting. It right. takes place inside her mind. Which is so unique and creative in the sense that it's a world none of us have seen before this isn't a movie that takes place in the ocean or, or even a brain or a, something that's has a physical yeah it reality. wasn't really anything recognizable so most of the movie takes place in a control panel type room inside riley's head and i thought it was really neat to see sort of the mechanics of the way her mind worked They treat a lot of her, the mental structure or the structure of her mind like a, what is it, like a pinball machine? Yeah, or almost like a a mix between a warehouse. I mean, I don't want to spoil too much for people that want to go see this, but just seeing things like, um, we had mentioned like a train of thought or memories or subconscious, seeing how the Pixar team wrestled with those concepts and visualized them to me was so fun it was as if they took a psychology book and sort of thought okay how can we visualize these things another huge part about this movie or one of the things that made it so special i guess is just the important lessons and messages and takeaways of the movie itself I felt like it, it provided a lot for little kids to watch and take away after after they see it. Yeah, first off, I think um, what I was noticing, even in the conversation, we, we saw this movie with friends, and afterwards, we were kind of using the movie's rhetoric to describe our own reaction to the movie. Like, oh, this this movie, after watching this movie, Joy was controlling my my emotions here we were kind of assigning them characters and uh what i'm driving at is that it was really giving us a vocabulary with which to describe our own emotions and for children i would imagine to encourage them to embrace those emotions there are a few great moments in the film when you get to explore 
what's going on in other people's minds too and these were maybe one of the uh, like one of the funnest parts because you get to see what's going on in the mom's head and in the dad's head and i feel like in part by doing this by by looking at someone and saying oh i wonder what what's going on in their heads what emotion is controlling, controlling yeah. their their thoughts right now i thought that really just promotes a notion or promotes empathy in people too so i thought that was pretty cool and also i feel like the biggest one and this is i think this is sort of the the central driving point of the movie itself just accepting change and accepting the fact that growing up is a transformative experience right this movie hit me a lot harder than other pixar movies have I know a lot of people are really connected to Up, and I saw it and I enjoyed it, but something about this movie and the fact that it was depicting growing up as something that involves a lot of really crucial changes to your personality. Again, I don't want to spoil too much, but we see Riley kind of casting away elements of her personality that are more associated with youth, for example, something like um, goofiness or, or imaginary friends. And, or even the fact that she was moving away from Minnesota and she was seeing her best friend less than yeah. than she did before. And the fact that, you know, friendships sort of break apart. And I think that really surprised me because I thought these were really, I don't know, adult concepts. But they were being depicted in ways where a they child- were easy for, for children to, to swallow. Definitely. I, I agree with that. And I think that the fact that this movie also doesn't have a villain really speaks to that more adult level that uh, or adult issues that the this adult rhetoric that the movie was using. And I think that instead of having some big bad villain called sadness, it had emotions, and just real-life experiences that are challenging, but that have positive and negative aspects to them. Nothing was ever pure evil or pure good, and that was, I think, one of the big takeaways that um, the movie was arguing, that growing up is just kind of learning to balance those two things. Definitely, and I mean, you mentioned sadness, and you think that I think that one of the the more elegant messages was the fact that it's okay sometimes to be sad and you can embrace that and that sadness sometimes leads to happy memories as well. So I thought, I mean, all in all, the movie's messages were just so sweet and so well thought out. Well thought out and I feel they were important for kids to, to sort of see and understand. And I feel like a lot of times these are the sorts of things that they don't really grapple with in a literal sense until much later in life. So to see the fact that they're presenting these thoughts and ideas to children early on was was pretty cool. And I think a lot of the kids watching it seemed to be on board and they, they understood. Yeah, I think this is a movie that I'm just really happy it exists and happy that such creative work is going on. We've talked a lot about how the content and the emotional plane that it was working on is was really creative, but 
Something that we've also been mentioning or we had been talking about off mic was just how creative the cinematography and art direction itself was. There are some scenes in this movie where everything goes 2D, for example. It just it was playing with not only conceptual uh, creativity, but it was also just visually so engaging. Yeah, and I felt like just the look of it was very different from other Pixar movies. So the movie does take place in San Francisco, but you don't really get to know the city as well as you do Paris and Ratatouille, for example, or mm-hmm. Australia and the Great Barrier Reef and Finding Nemo. It felt very innovative innovative in that sense because it was something we've never seen before and I feel like it hasn't really been... It's um, something no one's ever seen before. Right. And also, the I feel like we can touch upon this a little bit now. The main characters, in terms of their their look, Mm -hmm. don't really... uh, They don't look human. They don't look human. They look more like shapes. I know Joy was supposed to look like a star. Oh, okay. Yeah, she looked a little more like Tinkerbell to me, but Anger definitely looked like this very blocky, um, angular character. I I think I read he was supposed to look like a firehouse brick or something, something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I get that. It, It was things that had, it seemed like the the character design had taken cues from things that exist in the real world and children especially tend to ascribe emotions to anyways. Right. One other character that we haven't really spoken much about was Disgust, Mm -hmm. played by Mindy Kaling. She was kind of supposed to look like a piece of broccoli. Really? Yeah. Yeah, she was was bright green. She was kind of dressed like Daphne from Scooby-Doo and was very um, sassy, cool girl- But it never, the fact that these characters were um, playing a single emotion, the fact that you could say their characters were, I don't know, a little simplified or reductive, it was totally fine. That was what the movie was supposed to be doing. And I I thought that that was all incredibly creative. The landscape, as we've mentioned several times, was very creative. But I feel like as a result of it, being or feeling so different from other Pixar movies, I felt like I didn't really find myself actively looking for Easter eggs in, in oh, the, right. while watching the movie itself, which I know is is really a Pixar trademark. I had completely forgotten to even look for Easter eggs. Um, but I know a few of them existed. Okay. Um, yeah, in, of course, in the shelves of long-term memory. Memories in... In Riley's head are represented by bubble-shaped spheres. Almost like a marble. Right. And and they're stored in a warehouse. You can look into these, the little spheres, and see sort of the past memories. So in a few of them, I know there were scenes from Up and other movies. The Pizza Planet truck is supposed to exist, but everyone says it's really hard to find, and few people have have spotted that yeah i didn't see that. um i know a magazine on the table in the family's home in san francisco features chef colette oh, i might have s- seen that and also i hope this isn't real but on imdb it said the rat that they find the dead rat that they find at the beginning of the movie looks a lot like remy oh god <laughs> 
Is his name Remy? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so, terrible. I hope that's not real. But... Hopefully it's just like <laughs> their trademark Pixar rats. It's not It's not him. But that was a little disturbing. Speaking of uh, Ratatouille, how do you think that Inside Out compares to other Pixar movies that we've seen? I mean, in terms of like how I liked it? Yeah, as a disclaimer, we have not we have not seen all the Pixar movies or our real ride or die fans, but how how did you think it compared? Well, the last movie I saw was Monsters University. Mm. And I, I actually really liked that I one. I loved too. Monsters University. Um I feel like the experience of watching this one in the movie theaters was was really great while I was there. I'm not sure if it'll really stay with me afterwards, mm-hmm. or if the characters are ones that I'm excited to see more of, but, I mean, it, it was really touching, and I felt like it was just a great... Yeah, it was a really great experience, and I I definitely agree. I think that Monsters University, for example, that to me was a really fun movie to watch and so was this one and for both of them I think when I left I was definitely writing that kids movie high in retrospect I think I'm just like I said before really glad that this one exists even if it doesn't stick with me a 22 year old watching the movie I think that it has the potential to stick with a lot of young kids in a way that's really important yeah well shifting gears a little bit how about we do some shout-outs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Time for shout-outs. So, shout-outs. We did this with Jurassic World. We're just going to, like, name things we thought were pretty funny and great about this movie. Yeah. So, I guess any spoiler alerts are going to be off the table. This might ruin jokes if you haven't seen this movie. So, you might want to stop listening. But uh, if you haven't seen it. Alright, so I guess I'll kick us off with our first shout-out. First, shout-out to catchy gum commercials. This was a recurring joke in the movie. We kept getting rickrolled by this one memory of Triple Dent Gum, their their commercials theme song. Triple Dent Gum will make you smile. Triple Dent Gum it lasts a while. Triple Dent It seemed to me like it was a really clever way to make fun of the fact that people get songs stuck in their heads all the time, especially songs that they don't like. For sure. And uh, that was really funny. Throughout the whole thing, they just kept bringing it back. Another shout-out to Dream Production Studios. I thought this was another really clever part of the movie when they're going through the different parts of Riley's head. They find themselves in this movie studio lot called Dream Productions where actors and different characters go to act out the the dreams that Riley experiences every night and as you're walking through the or as the movie takes you through the lot 
you see these huge movie posters on the wall for things like I can fly and something's chasing me. Or I'm falling down a hole and it never ends. Yeah, really. I mean, it was just really cute. So creative. Shout out to imaginary boyfriends. I think this was one of my favorite jokes of the movie. When Riley, or when Joy and Sadness are walking through Riley's mental imagination land, you see this giant machine that says imaginary boyfriends on it, and this boy band looking guy pops out, like flips his hair Justin Bieber style, and says something like, I would die for Riley. <laughs> it was so funny, and they bring it back in just the most entertaining ways. He he doesn't have a name in the movie, I think everyone just re- refers to him as Riley's imaginary boyfriend, and all we know about him is that he's from Canada. <laughs> and that he would die for Riley. Yeah. yeah. Super cute. And on that same tangent, Riley's mom also has her own sort of like fantasy sequence. Fantasy sequence where there was a point in the movie where she's kind of frustrated with her husband and she says something or she thinks something like, oh, I left this guy for for, for my husband, but yeah, uh, I left um I left a Brazilian helicopter pilot for her husband. So. so shout out to Brazilian helicopter pilots. <laughs> he looked like such a Fabio yeah. type character that extending was... his hand. It was it was just a really funny joke that again gets brought back a few times. I think I yeah, the com- a lot of the comedy of this movie was, came out of just recycling cute inside jokes throughout the film, but um on a, on lastly on a more not serious, but on a more sentimental and genuine note, shout out to imaginary friends in general. On a personal note, anyone that knows me knows that I grew up with a veritable bevy of imaginary friends. Gan, Susiana, Martin, Ju- Luther. Martin Luther, Juice Bar, Mon, Moni, Candy, Ganny, with Gan's <laughs> sister. Yeah, not making any of this up. And... In the movie, Riley had an imaginary friend that was... She just had one. She His had one. Bing Bong. She was, she was a little less imaginative than me. Uh, yeah, she only had Bing Bong, and uh, he was voiced by Richard Kind, who did just this a phenomenal, heart-wrenching job with this imaginary character, and I never thought I would care so much about a, a pink elephant-looking thing ever, and it, it was it was just... Bing Bong. Shout out to Bing Bong. That's all I can say. I don't want to ruin any more of this movie for you guys. I mean, I feel like ultimately what was really touching about this movie was seeing how much all of the characters inside Riley's head truly cared about her and just wanted the best for her. So I feel like Bing Bong was one of those central characters who felt like he wasn't as much a part of her life anymore. He was sort of in one of the forgotten sections of Riley's memory. But, but he still cared so much about her. But he still her. cared. Yeah. And I think this was a movie that showed that even in the toughest of circumstances, there are emotions within you. Like, you should be gunning for yourself, essentially. And it's not even something that you might be conscious of, but there are emotions warring with it, or not war- warring, but rooting for you always the same way that, like, your your parents and everyone are. So I think it, it was a movie that definitely you'd leave feeling really loved. Yeah. Okay, so on that note, how about we 
we go into our ratings. What would you rate this movie on a scale of one to, or zero to ten, I guess? Uh, I would... I would rate it 8.5 out of 10 imaginary bing-bong rockets. The imaginary friend had this little... Is it red flyer or what? What is? Yeah, one of the one of those little red wagons. Four, yeah, four wheel dread wagon that has radio flyer. Radio flyer. That's what it's called. Yeah, he had one of those, and it's a song powered rocket. Um, I'm spending way too much time explaining my rating system, but just just watch the movie. You'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give it. Oh, I think I'd also give it eight point five out of ten. Broccoli pizza slices. <laughs> I think you need to explain that too. <laughs> um, we talked about how one of the running jokes in the film is how disgusting broccoli is. And when they go to San Francisco, sort of at this moment when Riley's struggling to find great things about the city, adding insult to injury, they go to get a slice of pizza and it's this artisanal pizza place where... They serve broccoli on the pizza. Broccoli. Yep, it's it's probably the most uh, San Francisco lampooning joke <laughs> of the movie. But yeah, I I definitely recommend this movie to anyone that feels like watching a fun kids movie. Yeah, it's enjoyable for adults and children alike. Yeah, there's even a Chinatown joke in there that I will task any any listener with finding and tweeting at us. Going back sort of into this whole rating system thing, we've seen now three movies this summer, at least since, since starting we started the this podcast. Yeah, the um, how do you feel this movie rates in comparison to those? Like, if we were to start this, like, a summer movie leaderboard thing, yeah, uh, where, where would you place this? Well, I did literally place it. We've been pinning, <laughs> we've been pinning our um, theater tickets to a corkboard, and like I pinned my movie ticket, I'd put it right above Jurassic World because I mean that was a fun movie to watch, and this one was fun. I feel like it had more to say, but I'd put it above that. But of course, way below Mad Max. There's no comparing. This is apples and oranges. <laughs> but in terms of my personal taste, which is what this leaderboard, like, is going to essentially be for us both. Um, yeah, that that's my ranking for now. Would you Would you concur? Yeah, I definitely agree. Great. It, it'll be interesting to see where they end up once we start seeing more bad movies too yeah <laughs> yeah right now we have a, a very privileged list to be ranking that we're on our cloud of judgment uh <laughs> raining down our ratings but um earlier i i did mention you guys can tweet at us carla has some news about that oh yeah we have a bit of web presence right now so you can find us at screensaver on facebook we have mm -hmm. a facebook page and screensaver podcast on facebook and you can also search um at screensaver pod we're on twitter i think we have two followers right now and uh, not including ourselves we should mention <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have four followers total <laughs> it's not just carla and i following us but uh so yeah, that's a win. That's a win. Uh, shout out to our, our aunt and our 
friend. <laughs> um, yeah. We're, oh, all we're, right. Well, we'll keep posting stuff on there. And um, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up Inside Out. Yeah. Iman needs to head out and do some shopping for her costume yeah, for Comic-Con. Just to preview our next episode here. Um, we're not sure if we'll have time to record a podcast next week, but for anyone that either lives in San Diego or is clued into pop culture, Comic-Con San Diego is coming up, and I am going and going to be dressing up. We'll keep you guys posted on our social media outlets. I won't say as what so that you guys... You, you actually have two costumes. I do have two costumes, so... Maybe next week we'll do, like, a, a Comic-Con preview where we talk about the making of these costumes. Yeah. Should be fun. Yep, a testament to... Oh, and I'm, I'm also dressing up, by the yes. way. Yes. Yeah. So we <laughs> have, we have like, three or four costumes that you guys are eagerly anticipating to hear about. <laughs> I love how we have an, this imaginary audience. It, just like Riley's imaginary friends. Yeah, just a sea of bing bongs plus our mom. Hola, mommy. Um, all right. I think I think that's about wraps up this episode on Inside Out. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Triple and gum will make you smile. Triple and gum. It lasts a while. Triple and